Hello dear listeners and welcome back to The Movie Men. I'm Callum O'Toole and I'm joined as ever by James Pugh and Johnny Smith. And today we're going to give you a little festive treat, a little bonus edition of The Movie Men. We're going to do ourselves a little 2016 year review and film, aren't we fellas? Christmas has come early. Yeah, it's nearly the time for me and Johnny to fly south for the winter and leave James up here in the grim north on his own. But you'll struggle on without us, won't you James? Yeah, I mean... Winter's up around Manchester, it's just like The Revenant, really. <laughs> Walking around Didsbury by myself, fighting off bears. We're going to give you a few categories, listeners, and we're just going to chat through them and give each of our uh, views on each of those categories uh, for films that are out this year. So, the first one we're going to begin with, boys, is underrated film of the year. So, James, I'm going to start with you for this one. What, for you, is your underrated film of the year and why? So, it's a, I really enjoy this category, and it's one that... I think sparks the most debate about what people class as underrated. Mm. There's two that I was teetering on, um, purely because one of them, which was which was like my second one, was Don't Breathe, which was a thriller horror um, about this blind guy who has loads of money in his house and these kids break into his house to steal the money and it turns into this kind of man in house thriller. But yeah. it it was it did get a lot of critical acclaim. It just didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to say that, that was underrated. So the one I'm going oh. with is a film called... So that was, that was my if that, second. If you're ruling out that criteria... I'm moving, really, moving on. I'm going to be Googling swiftly. Like, no, my, my, top, my, my top most underrated film of the year was a film called War on Everyone. Now, mm-hmm. I've chosen that because I think I saw one trailer for it on the TV and no one talked about it. I didn't see it on at the cinema. No yeah. one went to watch it. I caught it on an Odeon screen unseen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of the funniest films I saw, or possibly the funniest film I saw all year. Yeah. Um, but it, no, it didn't do anything. It didn't go anywhere. Which we is spoke such a about shame. this before, didn't we? When we you did, saw yeah. it, and I said that the trailer looked. Yeah. I thought the trailer looked really unfunny. It made it look like Twenty on yeah. One Jump Street, in, but not as funny. The yeah. joke seemed to miss in the trailer. So but that's in, rea- in reality, it was an American set in Bruges about these two cops who were put on a sabbatical because they're crap and they're like robbing the criminals and not sending them to prison and stuff like that, and they both get wound up in this big conspiracy case. If you like, you kind of dark comedy um, with really clever and witty witty script um, I would highly recommend it but no one, no one bloody saw it what, what's your underrated film of the year I've sort of torn between two mm-hmm. one the first one is The Shallows mm-hmm. which oh, was really want to watch that which was basically Blake Lively is this surfer in Mexico and she basically gets attacked by a shark and she's stuck on a rock for most of the film it's a classic sort of survival, the shark swimming round and the shark oh, really, okay. really hates her and doesn't go off and do anything else. So, but it, 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 it's kind of like a B movie, but it, 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 they did it really well and you sort of invest in her character and it wasn't too over the top, but it wasn't mundane, you know, she's just lying on a rock, dying slowly. So either that or Sing Street. Okay, yeah. Which was one of the best things I think I saw all year, directed by John Carney and it was just one of those sort of, like Pride, the full Monty... Billy Elliot, one of those sort of nice yeah. musical, great soundtrack, sort of uplifting British, I completely well, Irish agree. That, films. That was one of the best films I saw all year. And it, it, it sort of just came in without any real fanfare. Yeah. And then all of a sudden everyone went, God, this film's amazing. So I think it'll be one that over time will yeah. get there in the end. No, I mean, it got lots of good reviews. It just didn't really get the sort of wide spectatorship. Mm. Yeah, I struggled with the underrated, to be honest, more than any other category. I didn't see, there wasn't... A great deal of films that I saw this year that I did think were particularly <laughs> underrated. So I went with what James was talking about before, a film that didn't actually do that much at the box office, but was a great film, which was Hell or High Water. 
And because it was very critically acclaimed, but it didn't get it didn't do a great deal at the box office compared to a lot of films that were sort of out this year. So I basically went along with that because it's just got it was so well shot, such yeah. a great feel in that area. And the end scene is one of the best scenes I've ever seen. It's absolutely superb sure. between Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine. So, and Chris Pine I thought was great throughout the, that film as well. Yeah, really good not performance. Not a lot of people that. saw it though. It's no, because it got it, it. looked like it was getting quite a lot of momentum, but then it sort it, of just, it has, it, everyone exactly. just sort of petered out. It has now. It's been yeah. nominated for best film at the Golden Globe, so I imagine yeah. it'll now start as award season so. starts. It'll start picking up again. It'll be one yeah. of those films that has that been out in the cinema yet? It's been out. Oh, I totally missed that. I mean, it'll be one of them. That's the thing. And on the flip side, boys, overrated then. What was almost overrated? Johnny, what do you reckon? Um, I mean, this is easier than I'm, underrated. I'm ready for a fight on yeah. this one. I've, I've, got, I've got a couple to choose. I've got, I've got, this is easier. Uh, so my short list is, I just saw Birth of a Nation. That was pretty awful, like a Hallmark film, but with some slavery. Very strange. Fantastic Beasts, which we discussed at length. Yeah. Uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, I... Oh my! Wanted to like, and I thought that was just a bit of a boring shambles. Joking. Hail Caesar, which we. Oh yeah, Hail Caesar. Took a good pasting by the movie men. Yeah. Um, and we actually never put that episode out. Oh, did we not? No, we didn't put it out. That was just for our own no, sadistic fun. We gave it a bit of pasting. Th- therapy you needed. Yeah, after therapy. I like this film. I might have to change my so, name. Um, and and Patterson, nice. Jim Jarmusch's latest film, which has been fantastic reviews across the board. Is basically like speed, but imagine if the bus didn't have a bomb in it and it could go at any speed it wanted for two hours. I don't know. And the driver wrote poetry in between. Stops. He fund- he's fundamentally misunderstood the concept of speed here, hasn't he? I suppose Adam, Adam Driver is like the Pokemon Evolution down version of Keanu Reeves. Yes, that's that actually a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was it, just the most mundane film I've ever seen. He literally just spent all day driving this bus, and at one point it breaks down with an electrical fault. That is literally the most intense moment. So what, why did so, People have to go and stand over there, and they're like... So is the tension, what? like, whether he's got the number for the RAC, if you can remember his... Re- the, the tension is, is whether he these poems he writes are shit or not you spend the whole film going they sound shit but I can't tell if they're meant to be good and so the whole film makes no sense because you just don't know quite what's going on so so it's an inglorious list from you is that your whole list or you got another uh, no I think that's it for so, now. What, what, so what did... take your pick Patterson probably because Patterson's got universal five stars James what about you overrated oh, overrated so against Against my character, um, I've chosen Doctor Strange. Okay. It's my most overrated film because every everyone went nuts for it and was like, oh, it's got like, it's certified fresh, like 90 odd percent on Rotten Tomatoes and it's earned like over half a billion pounds and it wasn't that good. It was good, <laughs> but like, Benedict Cumberbatch, he looked great, but his accent is shocking. It was, it was the fact that all the actors around him were English. As well as him, yet he had an accent. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, what is going on? Like uh, Tilda Swinton and the guy. It's going to be the reverse like, uh, Sean Connery effect. Yeah. So, <laughs> all the other, why are the other actors Russian, but you're Scottish? Yeah, it's just like. I always find Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent is always a bit weird as well. Like, it's obviously someone putting on American yeah. accent. Yeah, 100%. But the thing with Benedict Cumberbatch, everything he does is, is Benedict Cumberbatch acting as. Doctor Strange. Yeah. It's not Doctor Strange. And I think yeah. that was, they tried to make his character really sarcastic, like Iron Man's is, to try and make him not like Sherlock because he's a clever bloke. But 
he just fell massively flat. Johnny, you mentioned how Caesar, and I didn't actually think of that when I was doing this review, but that would probably be my number one, actually. That would be my <laughs> most overrated. But the, what, the other one I put down, I might as well mention it, uh, was I, Daniel Blake. So, Ooh. good film. But I, it, I, can, I see what you mean. Door, and the more I think about it, after, when we first watched it, I was like, yeah, great. But I think to a degree, I was slightly caught up in the whole political side of it. And I feel slightly it was a film that the case of the reputation was driven more by the subject matter than the actual filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And the film yeah, itself definitely. was actually a bit thin. Still oh, a good film, yeah. but not worthy of I think that's the thing about. is when at the cinema watching it, it was like, wow, this is a devastating film. But then when you think about it without that, you know, the emotional investment, yeah. it is a fairly rudimentary sort yeah. of... You know, we discussed that. We discussed that when we reviewed it. If you want to go back an episode, it's a good one. It's a cracker. It's a cracker. Maybe listen to it twice. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe pause this one. Go back and listen to it later. Then so so welcome back, listeners. Yeah. Having gone and listened yeah. to the Daniel Blake podcast, and, uh, uh, and as we all know, not as good as the Full Monty. It wasn't as good as the Full Monty. <laughs> Definitely not <laughs> an underrated film. <laughs> so uh, guilty pleasure, right? So that's the next thing. So oh. James, give me your guilty. Okay, pleasure. so. My guilty pleasure. No one is going to have have seen this film. Okay. And this is my opportunity. It's not a porno. To bring it <laughs> so that's a different guilty pleasure. It's only a porno. That's not too guilty. It's my porno. Now, guys. Uh, no, it's it was a film that's on Netflix at the moment, and it's called Ghost Team, right? Yeah, and no one has seen this. No one's seen the film. It was released this year. It, 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 I saw it on Netflix. I was like, that kind of looks daft. I went online, watched the trailer, and I was like, this trailer looks kind of funny, kind of stupid. But it's actually really funny. It's the guy, John Hedder, who played Napoleon Dynamite, plays this down-and-out loser who lives at home with his mate who's been in... <laughs> Napoleon uh, Dynamite? No, it's, 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 it sounds like it is Napoleon Dynamite. He's only he's his mate. His wife's left him, blah, blah, blah. He's kind of like... They're basically about a bunch of losers and they're obsessed with the programme like Most Haunted on TV. <laughs> so they decide they're going to get a load of camera equipment and they're going to go film in this barn... That, that no one's told them it's haunted, they just think it should be. And this <laughs> bunch of losers just get together. Uh, Justin Long is in it. I know, uh, the, I know the feeling. Satellite. Yeah. <laughs> and, they go out to, and they go out to this barn to try and catch ghosts. And it's actually really heartfelt about a group of losers coming together and realising that, it, you know, they kind of come to this conclusion that they're okay with who they are and it's fun and no one likes it. Not familiar they, with that. Everyone calls them geeks and things like that, but they're okay yeah. with it. And, and the jokes are like really, really subtle, and you, I really like the characters. And it could be one of those films that, oh, it's just like a crappy, like, not gross out comedy, but kind of like stupid kind of comedy for kids or whatever. But I, I actually thought it was really funny, and I thought it was cleverly written. So James is just saying, give ghosts a chance. Give ghosts even a chance, yeah, because it, especially in a year when Ghostbusters came out and sucked. Like, this film was. Sexist? This, yeah. Uh, this film <laughs> is the humour that I thought. You know, when you get a Ghostbusters sequel, this was great. They were catching ghosts and they're taking it dead seriously. Um, but obviously, the ghosts aren't real and the so, polarity issues. Thank you, JP. JS? Uh, I've got two. I think Eddie the Eagle oh, yeah. is, is, you know... <laughs> yeah. It's always not a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure, really. You've got that much montage in one film. Talking of sketchy American accents, Hugh Jackman's in that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with Grimsby, which... Oh, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen. I which, didn't say that. I, I which didn't was want to. so base and <laughs> pretty awful, really. But it was just hilarious that you 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 feel bad for laughing at most of it. 
<laughs> There's a bit where they end up in a in like an elephant's arsehole and, and it's having sex and Mark Strong's getting hit in the face with a penis. <laughs> and you're like, this is awful, but it, it's kind of amazing in its awfulness. So it's so bad but so good. Yeah. That, that's the definition of a guilty. It really pleasure, is. Yeah, you, you, you know, not highbrow viewing. Well, I'm not sure if this isn't guilty pleasure, <laughs> if that's the standard that we're going to. <laughs> but I thought Magnificent Seven was a bit of a, a yarn. It was a bit of a lark. I've got a lot of time for Denzel Washington and anything. It was great. Chris Pratt obviously brings it down. That's what that's what makes you guilty. Chris Pratt's presence <laughs> makes anything guilty. And so yeah, I just thought it was you know good old fashioned wholesome fun. Not a great deal of depth, but pretty compelling throughout. It was, so. it was a good old fashioned western. Just yeah. a lot of shooting. It didn't sully the Magnificent Seven name, I didn't think, but you know it didn't add a great deal to it. So that was my guilty pleasure. Uh, worst casting. <clears throat> so I think you can probably guess what my one's going to be for this, Johnny. But do you want to kick us off with uh, with yours? Um, I would say. I saw The Witch, the film The Witch, which, um, which, 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 um, was an enjoyable watch, not a horror film, but it, it was good, and it's this Puritan sort of hysteria, and there's a witch in the I know who you're going to say. And the, what put me off from really paying attention that much in the film, getting into the atmosphere, was the fact that the dad in it is Finchie from The Office. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, smartest, one of the smartest men I know, definitely the smartest man you know, uh, so that bloody was, good rep. Thought he was going to throw a kettle over the house at any point. So uh, wasn't there a goat that they had? They, were throwing a they goat did, over. yeah. So there was none of that, but it was off-putting to think at any moment he might go to a pub quiz or something. James, what about you? Worst so uh, honourable mention goes to Johnny Depp in Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. It, was, it was hideous. It was unnecessary. <laughs> it spoiled. It was the, what was Yeah, it spoiled what was necessarily a nice standalone feature. Just, just his involvement and everything about it, and the decisions that were made to get Johnny Depp in that, to then cover him up with God knows what makeup and hair. So the six seconds he's on screen, four of them are spent turning to the person you're watching the film with going, that's not Johnny Depp, is it? <laughs> you turn back to clarify, and he's not there anymore. And it's like some fever dream. Like you've, like you've fallen asleep in the, the climax of the film, and where is Colin Farrell? Like, he was a great, like, where's he gone? And, oh, this, this is his it. So that was just hideous and spoiled the film. But, some gratuitous Depp. But I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready for some um, kickback here. Melissa McCarthy in Ghostbusters. Now, just her. I thought the others. I mean, just her in anything. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I concur with because they cast her. I don't against... want us to get a reputation as that kind of podcast. <laughs> no, I don't, I, because, but this is the thing: when people voiced real concerns about this movie, yeah. unfortunately, they were drowned out by a lot of other people hating it because of women. That wasn't the issue. Um, Kristen Wiig and um, Thingy McKinnon were, were great. I thought they were quite funny in it. But Melissa McCarthy was cast against type mm. in this kind of. Oh, well, let's give her a chance playing the straight laced one, and it just didn't work. Her yeah. comedy, it just isn't that. Whether you, whether you like it or not, hit the market, bridesmaid. But in this, she didn't even do what she was funny at, so she was left with nothing. Well, I'm going to go for a man who's good in no films. Um, you know, casting Tom Hiddleston in anything <laughs> no. is bad enough, but casting him as legendary country star Hank Williams is just a besmirching on the name of not only cinema, but of country music, and I will not stand for that. What was his American accent like? Because I've not seen it. Uh, Bell is singing. It was probably one of his better performances, which doesn't say a lot for Tom Wilson, 
But just just not the right man. Well, well, maybe in two years, when we're doing this one, you'll be saying Tom Hiddleston and James Bond. Well, no, because we'll come <laughs> on to that later. All, all Tom Hiddleston does is smile and disarming laughter. Or bumbling. Everything, he, everything he does is, is the when the person in the shop says something to you and you don't understand it, so you just smile <laughs> yeah. and laugh. Smile and, and, and over a five smile pound note. That's Tomlinson's based an entire career on that. <laughs> uh, best film of the year, then. Let's go for it. As you know, let's do worst film of the year first. Do worst let's film. do that. Let's go on that. Let's James, get, worst film of the year. Sounds. I went with The Forest, which was a horror I'm film sure. starring Natalie Dahmer, who plays Marjorie Tyrrell in Game of Thrones. Um, and the reason why I classed it as worst was because... The premise of it is something I've been fascinated in for a while, um, based on this forest. I can't remember what it's called in Japan. And it's a famous forest at the bottom of Mount Fuji where people go to kill themselves. So they'll disappear in this vo- in this forest, commit suicide, um, and there's a, a group of park rangers whose job it is to walk is to walk around this forest and either talk people out of it or cut them down from trees and things like that. And that oh, sounds yeah. like such like a a horrible it's life, a, it's like a, fascinating it's a story. Good basis but for a film. It is um, because they're very superstitious in Japan. They have lots of stories about how you go there, and the idea is your your spirit becomes like a ghost, and the forest is haunted by the kind of angry spirits of the people that kill themselves. So it's a really interesting setting, and I think there's a lot of there to get to get your teeth into. But it just turns into a film about this woman trying to find a sister, and it's all those like the blokes like, now don't stray off the path when you're walking. <laughs> you said it, God's sake! And then later on, she's like, oh well. They make you see things that are bad. You're like, well, she's going to see things. And she's all these like, so nothing is a surprise. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And I spent the, the whole film just like hysterically laughing. It's just it it's was one of like, If you take the left path, there's been tales that there's a man down there with knives. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, oh, so I must go left. If you hear a rattle, don't go near the rattle. <laughs> and there's a rattle. Shall I go and see what's it's happening over by the rattle? See where she's pretty early on in the film when they're in the forest and they find a tent and she finds the belongings of a city. She's like, oh well, she's stayed the night but she's not there and the guy is like we need to go back you shouldn't stay the night it's not safe we'll come back first thing in the morning and he, and he says to her we'll be back at 5am and this is like 8 o'clock at night before it gets dark we're going to leave and like that's not too long but she's like no I have to stay and she stays even though I can't see anything it's, she's pitch no supplies and she just stays and I'm just like are you actually kidding are you actually kidding you're there you've got like some vest top on and some like cardigan you're like yeah I'm going to stay in the middle of the night in this tent like this Japanese forest like you were ridiculous and as anyone who's listening knows me I love horror films but this was just this was just one step too far like even I wasn't believing any of the bullshit it was trying to spread so James has cut the forest down to size Johnny what have you got for your worst film of 2016 um I think Girl on the Train was pretty bad but then I remembered I remembered because I had completely forgotten I saw this the moment I walked out the cinema then we might have picked the same film well no this is I've really forgotten about this (laughs) A film called Triple Nine. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which had, as a good cast, Casey Affleck, yeah. Arable, yeah, Norman Reedus, Woody Harrelson. It basically is about these bank robbers and Woody Harrelson's trying to catch them. And I can't even remember why they're doing bank robberies. Yeah. Just because that's what people do in films. No, I haven't seen it, but I've seen, I remember seeing the trailer for that It as was well. dark, totally unmemorable, boring. And the worst thing of all, which actually should have come back to worst casting, is Kate Winslet plays a Russian gangster. <laughs> That is. It's bizarre. It's <laughs> utterly bizarre. Wow. And it's just such a dreary, dull film. Uh, well, I thought you were going to pick the film I've picked. And this is the first film that we recorded the podcast on, Johnny. Again, we didn't release it. 
Another one for our that. own displeasure. Batman versus no! Superman. I was hoping no Good one would say this because I'm sick God. of defending this film. <laughs> I would like you to try and defend this film. It was awful from start to finish. It was way too long. The the fight scene just was... Actually, no, actually, I was going to say the fight scene was shit, but actually the fight scene was actually better until... The, uh, the dickhead alien guy from uh, from outer space turns up and just makes it into those yeah. pointlessly long fight scenes. But the biggest problem for me is that the whole film is so lazily founded on just one single premise that Batman mistook something that Superman had done and didn't bother to, do, to find out anything more about it. And then that was it. That is like the laziest premise for the film. That's what did me in. I, I understand... I understand where you're coming from, but was it worse than Hail Caesar in I Saw the Light? <sighs> it was. I think I'm, I I found it so crap that it was quite enjoyable. Because in the fact I that it was just ludicrous <laughs> every turn. Yeah, I had the same thing with Suicide Squad. The film is, is awful. Everyone should be ashamed, mm. and I'll never watch it again. For the two hours I was, I was forced Shame. to sit there, I was like, "This is actually quite funny," but I would not like my name attached to this. But it's yeah. a, it's fun, and I'll never watch it again. And that's kind of okay sometimes in films. I felt the same with Batman vs Superman. I was like, I'm, I'm never going to watch any of this again. But it's, it was kind of cool. It Maybe it's more... the child in me. Was yeah. Even though it was shit, just watching Batman punch the shit out of Superman, I was like, yeah. It, <laughs> it probably had I mean? more good bits in it than the girl on the train, for example. Yeah. But like superhero fatigue, that was like the pinnacle for me of superhero sure. fatigue. Because you know, we're talking about like, fine, make superhero films. I'm not saying that superhero films per se are bad, but there's so many that aren't adding anything to the genre. And this was a classic example of it. I, I, my friends will hate me for this, but I concede on this one. <laughs> I, I understand that it possibly That's, was the worst film. The but year. I also concede that there is definitely. I'm sure there are films that are worse than it. Like, isn't Girl on the Tram is probably a worse film? But anyway, but, let's yeah, let's move try. On. Let's get <laughs> let's cheer ourselves up with best film of the year. James, go on. So give us your best it's, film. It's of the already year. been mentioned this year, uh, this episode. Uh, I'm going to go with Sing Street because oh, okay. I think possibly if I thought about it, I'd choose Arrival. We've discussed Arrival in mm. detail in a previous episode. So just to kind of mix things up a bit and make it sound like I repeat myself, Sing Street was was one of the best films I saw all year. It was so much so much fun. The music was great. I went in with no expectations, having no idea what it was going to be like. Uh, came out having had such a good time. I still listened to the soundtrack. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't fault it. Johnny, how about you? I was leaning towards Sing Street, but because obviously that's a bit boring if we choose the same thing. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll pick something else. But there's there's been some good films. I, I really enjoyed High Rise, Nocturnal Animals, oh, yeah. Arrival, all very good. Um, I, Daniel Blake. But I think I'm going to go for Son of Saul, which is a particularly Ooh. miserable film because it's basically about the Holocaust, which has been done to death. And uh, actually won Best Foreign Film at the Oscars earlier in the year. But it basically just follows this one man, Saul, who works in a concentration camp, but the camera never leaves him and it follows him all the way through. So you never get the context of the wider scene of what's mm. going on, but he's always scurrying through sort of camps and different rooms and things. So there's like, he's in the furnaces, then he's outside, then he's sort of running away over here. But you get the real sense of what it would like to be in the sort of camp and it's one of those... But you can sort of feel the mud and the sweat. It's all there and it, it's over his shoulder the whole time. So it was just spectacular, like such a sort of different take on a, a subject that's been done to death, really. So nice. Uh, Full Monty was this year, right? No, it was different. Year. <laughs> no. Well, uh, Re-release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, I would have gone for Arrival. 
uh, if I'm totally honest. But as you say, we've, we don't want to be too boring to talk about that because we've talked about it, we've done it to death. But just to be Very clear, recently. I think we've all just said that that Arrival probably wasn't the best film of the year. So Arrival. But something we discovered just shortly before we came on air that uh, The Big Short came out this year and I didn't realise that. I thought The Big Short was last year. So I would go with The Big Short. I thought they dealt with a very difficult subject to convey to the masses very well handled very well even though my brother had no idea what was going on and text me to ask <laughs> <laughs> so what was that all about I was like well Margaret Robbie was in the bath she told you what it was all about Adam McKay directed it and I think that he just did a really interesting way of like presenting the ideas like we have Margaret Robbie in the bath and stuff like that because it is complex stuff one thing I didn't like about it is Christian Bale getting Best Supporting Actor. That was nonsense. He, <laughs> he, he, he was probably the worst person in fun. it. Steve Carell was easily the best actor in that film. Ryan Gosling was best very performance. funny. They, yeah, everyone was and, very good uh, from Christian Bale. Christian Bale just walked around the Oscar because he played the weird guy. Do you want to be in a video from my band? See, if you're in a band, sing me a song. Take on me. We need to form a band. Right, wouldn't be the movie men without a quiz. And uh, I'm going to propose to you boys a quiz of 2016 and see how you get on with it. I'm, do we go with the uh, sound effects again or should we just leave it? <laughs> Time is Maybe ticking. we can just make our own sound effects. Okay, yeah, make, make your own sound effects. So um, what you, what's yours going to be, Johnny? Harden, harden. Harden, harden. I like it. James, beat that. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> the action. Something high-pitched. <laughs> Perfect. I love if it. Only there was a camera to watch this action. <laughs> okay, so question number one. Back in September, the movie men reviewed Hell or High Water. Name any character in Hell or High Water. Oh God. Well, I... James. Jeff Bridges. Character. <laughs> James. Jod. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, what was the name of his? His. I've not the, seen his it. Me, his just... Mexican sheriff friend. <laughs> yeah. The point of this is, when we watched it, the day after, <laughs> me and Johnny couldn't remember any of the names <laughs> yeah. of the characters in it. So I, I take it we're not going to get one. No, we don't. Marcus Hamilton is Jeff Bridges. Toby Howard, Tanner Howard, a Chris Prime, and Tanner, and I was getting Tanner. And Alberto Parker was the guy you were thinking of. I think we could have been here for months, <laughs> and I wouldn't have got any of... Marcus Hamilton. <laughs> Marcus Hamilton. <laughs> Absolutely no recollection. Well, I'd have given you any of their first names. If you said Marcus, Toby, Tanner, or Alberto, I would have given oh, you. Ah, Tanner was my second shot. <laughs> <laughs> right, question Correct. number two. What was the highest grossing film of 2016 worldwide? <laughs> that was a dead heat. Um, well, take both our answers. Okay, take both might, your answers. Might be different. I'm not, I won't change it. He on, go James, first. Okay, Johnny, you go first. Yeah, I was just buzzing in, but I couldn't actually remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> so I've, uh, I was just going to say Fantastic Beasts, because I can't think of anything else. Zootopia. Oh, was the second. Oh! Civil War. Captain America Civil War. No! I thought that was second. The top four were all Disney. Yeah, Captain America Civil, Civil War, War, Finding Dory, Zootopia, and The Jungle Book. Oh, can I, I was closest. Finding Dory. Finding Dory, I was closest. Can I get it? I was closer. You, we'll give you half we'll of one. Half of Because otherwise, otherwise we could be here. We could be struggling. <laughs> I don't have a tiebreaker question if we, if we both end up with zero. So half a point. Okay. Uh, actor Robert Vaughan died in November, living just long enough to see one of his classic films get remade. What was the name of that film? Harden. 
Johnny? Um, the Magnificent Seven. It was The Magnificent yes. Seven. Right, question number four. How much money did Emma Watson film The Colony take in its first week at the box office? I'm going to take an answer of both units, whoever gets closest. So James looks like he wants to go first, so James. It made £230. Johnny. I'm going to say £143. Oh, it's 230 pounds. <laughs> what was the answer calculated? £47. So you were close. Yes. <laughs> why, was that the, why was that a struggle? Right, we just closed. <laughs> I don't know why. You should get my I calculator think, out. Because yeah. I, when I was looking at it, I thought it said 147 but it was actually £47. Pounds. <gasps> Who was the highest paid actor of 2016? James. Johnny Depp. No. Will Smith. No. He seems to get a lot of money for not doing a lot. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, oh, yeah. $64.5 million, but I have a little bit of a problem with it because Forbes were including a payment he got paid for a film that's coming out next year, Baywatch. So, do we begrudge The Rock? We do not begrudge The Rock. And he beat Jackie Chan and Matt Damon, who were second and third. Jackie Chan. Uh, the article I read was Johnny Depp was the most overpaid actor. Yeah. Worst oh, yeah. return on your... Yeah. Oh, right, right, okay. Jennifer Lawrence was the highest paid female. Why was Jackie Chan second? Dollars. Jackie oh, Chan made a film this year. He paid so much money to do films in China. A it lot of people insane. on the list were from Bollywood and uh, stuff like that. So it was... I, was say, I don't remember Jackie Chan doing anything. <laughs> right, Jackie nine. Chan anywhere. He has a film coming out with Arnold Schwarzenegger next year. <laughs> yes. That sounds... Absolutely amazing. It's set in China. I'm just going to update my hopes for 2017. Is it The Expendables? <laughs> Is it The Expended? The Expended. Question number six. Who voiced Bagheera in The Jungle Book? I've not watched it. I can't remember which thing it is. Kate uh, Blanchett. No. Do you want to have a go, Johnny? Um, yes. Oh, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Oh, was, I, I thought can't remember was... what... I was like, he which played Hannah Moore? <laughs> <laughs> he was Elwood, Shere Khan, Balloon Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Okay. And Christopher Walken was an orangutan. Yeah. Question number seven. What was the name of Seth Rogen's character in Sausage Party? I've not done anything this year. It's quite a movie men-centric quiz, actually. And obviously, um, you're a bit disadvantaged because you've come late to the party, James. <laughs> late to the Sausage Paul, Party, if late you will. To the Whoa, party. Paul... Mar- Marcus. <laughs> Marcus or Tanner? Definitely one of those two. <laughs> Hamilton. Frank, Frank Wienerton. <laughs> I mean, probably should have guessed something like that. Frank. Okay, right, that's seven. Question number eight. Which of these films we reviewed in 2016 took the most money at the box office? Life on the Road, I Saw the Light, or I, Daniel Blake? James? It was um, the David Brent one. I'm going to say I, Daniel Blake's had a late surge. I'm not actually going to give you it because I, because <laughs> clearly the fact that I asked yeah. you after I was James <laughs> means that it was, yeah, it was I, Daniel Blake. 12.45 million paid, played 5.5 million for Life on the Road and 1.8 million for I Saw the Light. So of which most of it came from us, probably. Well, I saw the yeah. light. <laughs> How much were your tickets? <laughs> it was a special yeah, showing, it? wasn't it? Hey, I'd pay anything to go and see Tommy Dustin. Okay, <laughs> so the last two are reviews. So, which 2016 film was described by Richard Roper in the Chicago Sun-Times as shiny trash that begins with promise but quickly gets tripped up by its own screenplay and grows increasingly ludicrous and melodramatic. Suicide Squad. 
It could be. It could be that. F- Fantastic Beasts. It was the girl on the train. That's oh. generous. That's a generous description. <laughs> I think that's fair. And then question number ten: Which 2016 film was described by David Edelstein in the New, in the New York magazine as a storytelling disgrace? By A.O. Scott of the New York Times as being about as diverting as having a porcelain sink broken over your head. <laughs> and by Alex Abad Santos as a stink bucket of disappointment. Suicide squad. <laughs> um, fantastic Beasts. Batman versus Superman. Of course. Close. So I'm getting it was a tough quiz of the year. We obviously yeah. weren't paying attention about 2016 then. Uh, no, I guess not. Too many dead people. What you fixing to do? Does anyone believe something very big is about to go down? Going off that There is no limit to what desperate men will do when pushed. Right, so getting back onto our review of the year stuff. Uh, actually, this is a review of the year. This is now our look-aheads. So look-aheads to 2017. So, hopes for 2017. James Pugh, what are your hopes for next year in film? So, my hopes for next year... I was looking at the list of films that are out next year, and there is a lot of sequels, mm. but, but a lot of really great sequels. So, my hope for next year is that the following sequels do not disappoint. So, we've got Trainspotting 2 mm-hmm. out, Star Wars Episode 8, which I'm really looking forward to, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, don't say anything, <laughs> Log- Logan, which is the, the final Wolverine... Final uh, Wolverine film that Hugh Jackman will ever do. Uh, Blade Runner 2. He says that now. No, he's, yeah. he's out. He's out. He's, uh, the story will not continue with him. Uh, Blade Runner 2 and the Alien sequel, which pre- there have been preview screenings of the trailer and the film, and apparently is incredibly violent and scary. Right. Which makes me feel really, really good. Blade Runner 2 is Dennis Villeneuve who did Arrival. It's Ryan Gosling and uh, Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott in it. That. And it just. Should be good. Train Spotting Two looks looks like it could be great. All the cast are back. Daniel Boyle's back, um, but we've been proved wrong many times. Sequels like this before. So Johnny, uh, actually no. Let's do hopes and now do your fears. Actually, James, let's get that way around. So you got your your hopes and then tell me your fears and then we'll do your <laughs> so hopes and fears, Johnny. My fears for next year is that the Spider Man film is going to be bad, <laughs> and I'm worried about what will happen to Spider Man. <laughs> like it's it's been a while. So Everyone keeps slagging up the glass pre- and. Chef yeah, that's what I'm, I'm worried, like, because <laughs> him, him coming back to Marvel was, like, made such a big deal of that, oh, well, you know, Sony did loads of these films and the past two were crap and Spider-Man 3 was rubbish and everyone's had a pop and Marvel haven't had a go, so this is, like, them <laughs> doing it. Willem Dafoe's face? So, like, so, so if these guys, if this Spider-Man film isn't great, like, there's only so many times you can drag superheroes through, like, crappy films and... Mm. Well, they're really <laughs> testing that theory. I, th- I just worry that if this one isn't great, that because Spider-Man, very dear to my heart, is my favourite superhero. I was growing up, and I just if he's just not good, I just don't want people to start hating um, Spider-Man. I worry that we won't get another film. Otherwise, uh, he'll just get hit with a slipper. Yeah, the metaphorical like, slipper will come down. So, Johnny, I know, I know you're an enormous fan of the band Keen. Their first yeah. album was Hopes and Fears. What are your hopes and fears for 2017? Uh, in in somewhat an antagonistic fashion to James, I've gone. My hopes for twenty seventeen are less remakes, less superheroes, less sequels, and less prequels. 
But then I had a look to see what was yes. coming up. And, <laughs> some and to my horror, I saw Baywatch Power Rangers, Six Million Dollar Man, King Kong the Mummy, Friday the 13th, Jumanji, Star Wars, Transformers, John Wick 2, Kingsman 2, Fast and the Furious 1000, and another... Planet of the Apes and other Pirates of the Caribbean, amongst others. Planet of the Apes looks good. John Wick 2 will be so, great. So, hope is looking Pla- pretty thin on the ground. Planet of the Apes, we expected another Planet of the Apes, so that's yeah, fine. The trilogy, two were, so the two are great. That's fine, yeah. But the, the, I think, you know, as you said, the sort of Blade Runner and Transporting 2 and stuff, yeah. there are some, some decent sequels in the office. I think probably the big one, hopefully, is that Christopher Nolan's new film, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Which has a really good cast, apart from Harry, Harry Styles. Styles. So, well, <laughs> what I think one of my hopes is he gets Give hit by a stray, stray mortar very quickly <laughs> in the film. But um, you know, if Christopher Nolan's on on song, it should be a, a pretty spectacular watch. I think. I think we've pretty much gone with very, very similar fears for 2017 because I once again have gone for cinema just dominated by remakes and sequels, which is happening but <laughs> Which, it's too late for that now <laughs> yeah um, my biggest fear though uh, is well you'll enjoy I... the Power Rangers film <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> what does that say I'll come out like everything that's... I thought it was a lie like, actually, that's my fear uh, is that uh, you mentioned earlier uh, James and it sent shiver down my spine that if uh, that Tom Hiddleston would be announced as Bond <laughs> that's my biggest fear because I'm an enormous Bond fan huge yeah. fan of Bond and if Tom Hiddleston was to be cast <laughs> That would really test my patience yeah. an, an enormous amount. Uh, and then the other one just uh, already seems to be coming to fruition, just more Johnny Depp and stuff. Um, and my hopes are, my biggest hope is that Blade Runner 2049 is great. Yeah. And then my other two fears, uh, my other two hopes are a break from superhero films, which I don't think I'm going to get. You're not going to uh, uh, And then uh, a bit of a strange one, a bit of a niche one. CGI being dialed back a little bit and animatronics coming making a bit of a comeback. Are you bring, are you bringing this up because of the article they wrote about Jurassic World recently? No, I, I didn't read that. They're article. I, really I saw Ace Ventura when Nature Calls at the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and when he fights the crocodile. They've actually yeah. said that they're using uh, they're toning back the CG in Jurassic World Two and have developed a, a ton of animatronics. Brilliant for the that's new Jurassic World that's which sounds fascinating yeah. way, hopes are already it? coming true so there you go so you've got you've got that but, but then you've got all those superhero really films so there's going to be a <laughs> shitload <laughs> yeah. of CGI there well uh, to be honest I'd I'd take a, a good Jurassic World with some good looking creatures because Jurassic World the first I was, compare, Jurassic Park from yeah. 1993 looked better yeah. than Jurassic World <laughs> of 20, 2015 which was just bizarre I know it's, it's odd though productions yeah. change and costs yeah. have changed and the jobs yeah. have changed so it's just you can't make films like you used to anymore no, so. not like the good old days not the good old days so how would you make a film that's coming out next year that's what I want to know. You know, you can't make them like they used to. So, yeah. if I was to ask you to plot a film right. for next year... Well, actually, James, it was your idea. Why don't you okay. take it away? So, uh, I spotted, when I was looking at my film, the films coming out next year, a lot of really ambiguously titled films that gave absolutely nothing away about what they were about. So, what we've done is, we've took some of those titles of the films coming out soon, and based off nothing but the title, we've tried to guess what that film is about. Yes. So, I'll I'll go first. In a way. Let's see. Let's see, how, let's see how it goes. So, there's a film coming out soon called Manchester by the Sea. Good. Okay. Geographically incorrect. Or is it, Johnny? Because let me describe to you. My God, what have I been doing all this time? Well, we all live there, James. Well, the film is actually set in a dystopian 2040 
after the high-speed rail from London to Manchester has been around for years, influx of southerners into the north of England has caused most of the cities to change names, most of which have been renamed Manchester to save the hassle. Manchester by the Sea, a.k.a. Old Liverpool, has turned into nothing more than another seaside town after a pier and fairground was put where the docks used to be. Casey Affleck... A downtrodden waltzer operator must fight back against the southern rule and bring back identity to Liverpool. Beatles cover bands, Scouse Cafes and a 60-year-old Stephen Gerrard will join forces. Will he succeed or will it forever be Manchester by the Sea? That's fantastic. That actually sounds like the best film ever made. <laughs> that is brilliant. But the only flaw is that how would the people of Liverpool get round to it because they'd still be celebrating the 2005 Champions of the <laughs> And the Beatles going to number one, so... Well, the, the teams, I believe, have changed just to Manchester, <laughs> to Manchester. Everton and Manchester... Manchester Athletic United, Manchester. Athletic Manchester. Manchester Wednesday. Yeah, Real Manchester. Sporting, Sporting Manchester. Manchester. Yeah. That's basically just what they do in America, so... Well, I don't want to do mine now, so, Johnny... Well, you, <laughs> that was I've so got a lot to follow, follow now. I've gone for the Great Wall. I think, obviously, it's about Donald Trump's quest to finally build this giant wall between yes. Mexico and America. Yes. So I think in a, in a, you know, a sort of really dramatic fairy tale, Zack Schneider 300 style, that Donald single-handedly carries stones from America on his back. John Stones? He, he carries John Stones. <laughs> And while he places John Stones down, and while Donald single-handedly builds this wall with big cinder blocks, John Stones plays wayward passes yeah. out the back, knocking the Mexicans over, yeah. and mistiming tackles to take them out before they can take his wall down. So it's a bit like one of those games where you've got to defend your castle, but yeah. also 300 where Donald was building a wall. It's good. Well, um, I've gone for a monster call. I'm, you do, you, these two, you do. You do, guys have done really good ones. My shit. <laughs> I've gone for our monster calls, and let me let me set you a scene. A well-to-do monster family are having dinner and looking to bring in the monster New Year. They're drinking the most vintage virgin blood, eating the finest baby brains, and suddenly, a knock at the door. There's been a death. A young monster girl has killed herself, and the monster police are looking for answers. A mysterious monster detective then begins to grill the family members. And one by one, they discover they're all responsible for the girl's demise. I've just got he it. He then I've leaves, and the family discover he was never a real monster policeman. In fact, he wasn't real at all because monsters aren't real. The family don't actually realise this because they aren't real either. The end. It was Inspector Carl, yeah, wasn't it? it that was God. So it was, was kind of lazy. Your guys were good. Or, you know, the other option I had was, you know, he's this guy who works in the call centre. I'd imagine it was sort of like Sully from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, he's, he's oh, selling great toner. Inc., but it was a call centre. <laughs> that would be the next one, wouldn't it? When yeah. he, he graduates from university and doesn't get a good job yeah. and he has to do a graduate recruitment Where they job. prank call people yeah. and that's how they get the screams. Well, at the moment he's selling toner. And, you know, to bring it back to the Inspector Calls <laughs> scenario again... He's calling around, he's depressed, he wants to end it all, his life's crap. And then he gets on the phone to the girl from Monsters, Inc. Nice. Originally, who he obviously loved in yeah. the first place. And she talks him around with just gargled noises, which is what she did in the first film. <laughs> uh, so that's, you know, it's a feel-good film and, and a sequel, which fits in with the 27, you know, mm. regime. So Monsters University, Monsters, Inc., Monsters... Uh, Monsters no, he's, he's graduated oh. university. He's yeah. not done well. He's working in the call centre. And now he's calling, and then she's the one who saves his life. 
That kind of makes sense. I wonder if any of us are right. So take either of those. But <laughs> I think, to be honest, I want you to be right, James. I honestly don't know, I don't know what any option. of the three films we've discussed are actually we about. Are. Well, we started high and we, we, we got worse as time went on. I think we was good, Johnny. three pretty good ideas for films. <laughs> Hopefully someone from Hollywood is listening. But, well, undoubtedly. I assume they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on three, one, two... Ah! <laughs> Okay, guys, so that's it from us for another year. 2016 complete for the Movie Men. Uh, we'll be back with you in 2017 with some more film. Maybe we'll review James's uh, Manchester by the Sea. Can't wait to see that one. Maybe Johnny's The Great Wall, if John Stones gets given enough time away from Man City's defence to uh, produce it, which I'm sure he'll be allowed Probably to he'll be. I'd love it if he was given a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, a bit of sabbatical. As a yeah. City fan. Um, and then, so before we go, let's just do one last thing, guys. In a nutshell, favourite Christmas film and why? Johnny Smith. Not a mass fan of Christmas films, so I'm going to go with Die Hard because it's probably the least Christmassy of all Christmas films. James? Scrooged with Bill Murray. It is the definitive version of a Christmas Carol story and Bill Murray, so... Mm -hmm. I'm also going to go with a Scrooge story. A Muppets Christmas Carol. Nice. Not a big fan of the Muppets in general, but brilliant there. And the Marley Brothers used to scare the shit out of me when I was a kid. So, thanks very much for joining us, listeners, and remember to go back and listen to every other podcast we've done this year to get your full fix of movie memoir we're away, and we'll be back with you in 2017. Have a great Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs>